Well, let us open up our Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And we just uh, having a very quick break as our anniversary weekend. And uh, let us look at Acts 2 and consider what God's word has to say to us today. This year we celebrate 125 years of the building of Hauling Baptist Chapel. The chapel was built back in the day and uh, it was demolished in 2019. And although it stood there for 125 years, I don't know how long the church existed. The church would have been for much longer. In fact, they started worshipping in a home. Uh, We don't know exactly the location, or at least I don't know. But uh, they would have worshipped somewhere here in Hauling in a home. And later, uh, this was, by the way, a group of particular Baptists. They were Calvinistic. And as they gathered, they began worshipping the Lord. Later, more people began added. And so they they built a tent next to the house. And so they would worship every Lord's Day and afternoon or evening in that tent every week and midweek. Eventually, the workers from the cement factory uh, built the uh, tin chapel of corrugated iron. And they were hoping that these would stand there for about six months until they gathered all the funds to be able to build a proper brick built building. And so 121 years later, the Lord answered their prayers and eventually the building got demolished and we were able to buy here the unused fire station and use it as a place of worship and is now the place where we are meeting today. Even that story of how the Lord provided for this building was a remarkable answer to prayer, both in the provision of finance, but also on the opening of doors for us to be able to even buy the building itself. That was nine years ago when uh, the church asked the Grace Baptist Partnership if they would Uh, consider coming to Hauling to help revitalize the church. And Pastor Barry King became local pastor for about six months or so. He provided regular ministry. And it was at the end of that period of time that this congregation uh, called me to become their pastor. And it's been uh, year uh, after year and after year of Great rejoice of toil, of hardship, of pain, of suffering, of tears, but of great joy. And we rejoice in the Lord God for his kindness, for his mercy, for his faithfulness, for his goodness towards us. And we worship him. We indeed ascribe greatness to the Lord our God, who is good and who has been kind with us here at Hauling. I remember when we were about to buy the fire station, one of the ladies in the village and the badminton club asked me and said, so are you going to bless the building so that it will become a church? I took the opportunity to explain to her that actually the building is not what makes a church, but is the people. She said, wherever the people go, wherever believers are gathered and are, are present, that is where the church is. So when we move into the fire station, That's where the church will be gathered. The church is the people. But just because people gather in a religious setting doesn't mean that there's where a church is. 
there's a lady in Snodland who goes to the spiritualist church. Well, let me tell you, there's no such thing, biblically speaking, as the spiritualist church where they consult mediums and all sorts. That is not a church biblically defined. A church is where God's people who have been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ are gathered together and worship the one and only true and living God. In fact, in the book of Revelation, we hear of the warnings to the churches. These were warnings because the churches started doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Not all of them, but some of them. And so there is a warning to the churches. Unless you change, I will remove my spirit from you. How would that look like? Well, the group of people that would be gathered suddenly started drifting to one side or to the other in sin, immorality, you name it. And then one or two of the Christians would feel a bit uncomfortable and started looking for elsewhere to worship. And then someone else and feeling and suddenly desert all true born again Christians living. And whoever was left there would no longer be the church. Sadly, there are many places like that in the world in which we live and even in our country. But what is a healthy church? What is a healthy church? And today I'd like us to look at this passage of chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. We'd like to, I'd like us to consider just two words, two words. Two words that are the characteristics of a healthy church. These two words are regenerate and devoted. Regenerate and devoted. A healthy church is a regenerate church. A healthy church is a devoted church. Let's look at verse 20, sorry, 41 to 47. I'll read it first. So, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, their proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, give us the eyes to understand and see, the ears to hear and understand your word. And the heart or the willingness to do as you command us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now notice that after Peter preached this very powerful sermon, the people in verse 37 said, 
What must we do? The hearts were the hearts were cut to the core. They were cut. What shall we do? And Peter says to them, you must repent and be baptized. And verse 41 says, so those who received the word did something. Those who received the word. To receive the word is also translated in other Bibles and other translations as accepted the teaching. To receive the word is to accept the teaching, to embrace the message. It is to welcome the instruction. They received the word of the Lord. They believe the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth of the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. The one who receives the word believes in that good news. Jesus is the way. But this is a Bible teaching that we also find. That no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. That we find in John chapter 6 verse 44. No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws draws him. We can do a Bible study about that word draw because in other passages in the Bible, the word draw is to drag. The Lord draws his people to Jesus Christ, the Savior. This is why we read verse 47 that says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It is a work of God. It is God who changes the hearts of people. A heart of stone into a heart of flesh. That is the promise of Ezekiel chapter 36, that God would do that. And this is what had been happening here. It is God who brings people from death, spiritual deadness, to life. Suddenly a person couldn't understand the gospel and suddenly he hears and responds. You see, out of the thousands of people... There were about 3,000 who understood it different to the rest. They heard. They were brought from death to spiritual life. It is when God causes their hearts to warm to the gospel. The same way in which Paul, as he was preaching, he, he, he comes across Lydia in Acts chapter 16. And as he's preaching, the Bible has a comment. The Lord opened her heart to take heed what was being said by Paul. You see, it is the Lord. It is the Lord bringing people to salvation through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit of God in regeneration. That is what regeneration means. A new heart given by God. It's nothing to do with me. I was a rabble. And suddenly I was able to see my sin. Regeneration. These were regenerate people and this was a regenerate church. A people with a new heart. A healthy church is a regenerate church. A a, a group of people that have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 41 again. So those who received the word were what? 
they were what? Baptized. baptized. So believers were baptized. Now, this is, this is an interesting thing in the Bible. You won't find a believer who's not been baptized, except for the thief on the cross is an exception. But Jesus didn't say, quickly bring him down, put him in under water and then bring him up again. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by baptism. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Baptism does not help our salvation, but baptism is for our sanctification. It's an act of obedience to God. And every believer that you find in the Bible was a baptized believer. A regenerate person who was then immersed under the water. Now notice I use the word immersed because that's what the word baptism means. <laughs> Immersion is the word baptism in the Greek. And we've anglicized the word and we use the word baptized, but it's immersion. To plunge, to deep. So when people say baptism by sprinkling, it's a little bit of a misnomer. How can you baptize by sprinkling or by pouring? Baptism is immerse. Imagine if I, had, if I said to you, I'm going to give you a cuddle with my hand. You can't give a cuddle with one's hand. Or I'm going to give you a cuddle with my thumb. It doesn't make sense. A cuddle is using your arms. In the same way, the word immerse is baptism. They were immersed. That's why I'm a Baptist. It's been consistent with the word of God. Someone who's regenerate or to follow in baptism. Following the Lord in baptism. Babies aren't regenerate. Infants are not regenerate. This is why as a person comes to faith and he's a credible professional faith, then he ought to be immersed as an act of obedience. A healthy church is a regenerate church. And that is pretty much the same thing as saying baptized, regenerate, baptized is, is linked. Believers in the Bible were baptized. So when I came to Hauling this years ago, there were a group of people in the congregation who were not believers in Jesus Christ. They were not members of the church, but they were not believers. They would come regularly. They were very active in the life of the church. Very active. So active that they would take control the kitchen they would bring the teas and coffees come out they would take part in the organizing of activities or of all sorts of things they were very active in the church but they were not regenerate they were not born again and so i began to preach from the word of god this is what the bible says and they started rejecting that message because god loves everybody they would say very nice and kind people and very affectionate to the elderly congregation who were here. But as we began to teach the word, some started stopping coming because they would hear something they would not agree with. Others that were still controlling some areas of the activities of the life of the church, I had to say, well, this is really for members, for believers in Jesus Christ. And so we, we said, well... We gave the activities to the members of the church to do. And they were not happy. I wasn't a very popular pastor back then because he's coming and I've done it since 19 something something. And I've done it here and I've been like this. But, but they were not born again. And so we had to say, well, no, this is what the this is what believers is. Regenerate believers. 
And others started left, and then someone else left. One person I had to say stopped coming. Bringing a spirit of division, listening for some period of years, but then no change, and causing strive and trouble. You're not welcome. Regenerate church. And then I came across the constitution of the church. And as I was reading, I was a little bit puzzled because I said, we're a Baptist church, but it's a little bit strange here that the members could become members but not being baptised. And for, I said, well, what was this all about? And then one of the brothers said, oh, yeah, 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 at this church, people, if they're not baptised, they can be members of the church. And for years, and I said, what? Are everyone, is everyone baptised? And everyone said, yeah, yeah, we've been baptised. But two of the members back then had not been baptised for years and years and years and years and be members, active and so on. Regenerate, sure, but not baptised. Eventually they got baptised by the time I came to the church. Praise God. But we said, well, the Bible says this. Should we not tidy that up in our constitution? And all the congregations said, yes, let's, let's do that. We're a Baptist church. And not Baptist in name only, but Baptist. And so we tidied that up on the constitution. Members of the body... Believers in Jesus Christ could commit, have been baptised, regenerate by the Lord. So let me ask you this morning, are you regenerate? Has the Lord changed your heart? When you hear the good news, when you hear God's word, do you drop everything off to follow Christ? Or do you keep clinging to here and there and... You can't leave those old things and old life. Or have you been born of God? And yeah, have you followed the Lord in baptism? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the Lord has saved you, are you baptised? Are you baptised? So, a healthy church is a regenerate church. Now let's look at the passage again, verse 41. Sorry, verse 42. And they devoted themselves. So the first thing we saw is a regenerate church, but now it's a a devoted church. But what is the word devoted? What does devoted mean? Other translations have it, they continued steadfastly. They pressed on on doing something. They persevered. They continued faithfully. In other words, they spent their time in those actions listed later. Four different things. They devoted their time on those things. They prioritized those things. They took interest in those things. They persevered in them. Imagine if you were to meet a gardener or a person that says, I I like to devote myself to my garden. I'm a a person who's devoted to my own garden. Now, can you picture his garden or her garden? Would be a beautiful garden. Lovely lawn, looked after plants and flowers and all sorts. I think of Sister Jojo. Some of you may have known Jojo. Jojo had a beautiful garden. She was devoted to her garden. And she told me once, the secret to this to having a lovely garden is have a pair of secateurs always with you. And so she would go out and she would walk 
and then she would clip here, clip there as she was going out, drop it off, and then come back and clip here and clip there, and she would have a pair of secateurs. Her garden had all sorts of flowers all year round. How did she do it? She was devoted to her garden. You cannot devote to something without spending time in that something. You cannot devote to something without prioritizing or even taking interest on that something. And what is it what these Christians were devoted to? Look at there in the passage. And they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. Now, some translations say doctrine. Doctrine, teaching, instruction. That's what these people were devoted to. But let me ask you, what is it that the apostles were teaching? It's not a rhetorical question, you can answer. What were they teaching? Christ crucified. They were teaching the word of God. And everywhere you read in the Bible where the apostles were quoting or preaching, they were always quoting the scriptures. And they would also say, this is the word of God. This is what the apostles were doing. Acts 8.25, for example. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord. Acts 13.46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Word of God. Acts 16.6, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. You see, the apostles were speaking and proclaiming the word of God. And a healthy church is devoted, it devotes time, is there, at the, at the apostles' teaching, is a devoted church in the apostles' teaching now. How would that look like in our church? What what would that look like? It would be a church that has an attitude towards God's word. Not an attitude as like, but a a positive attitude to God's word. Attentive. Inquisitive. Ready to receive. To love the word of God. Are we a devoted church to the word of God? Do we we have that readiness? Lord, prepare my heart. Do you pray even before coming to church? Lord, prepare my heart as your word is going to be explained. The attitude. But also the availability. Do you make time when the word of God is going to be proclaimed, preached or taught? Do you make time out of your busy schedule to to be there? Do you prioritize or do you simply find excuse? The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But there's also the agreement, our agreement to the word of God. In other words, we put aside our opinions and we put aside our ideas for the Word of God. The Word of God would be our supreme authority. Now, there is an authority that God has given to pastors. Is a God-given authority. 
Likewise, there's a God-given authority given to parents towards their children. God gave that. That authority is not the supreme authority. In fact, there's also, we could say, in a sense in which tradition has some form of authority, but neither tradition nor the word of parents nor the word of the pastor is the supreme authority, but rather the word of God is the supreme authority. And that should be our attitude, availability and agreement that this indeed is the word of God. So let me ask you this question. Out of all the things you devote time to, maybe the garden or maybe a a hobby you might have or what have you, are you devoted to the word of God? Are you devoted to the apostles' teaching? A healthy church is a devoted church. Devoted church to the word of God. I, I remember... Some years ago, when I came to the UK, I couldn't believe that you could have two days off every week. In Mexico, you have one day off. Monday to Saturday's work, and then Sunday's the day off. When I came here, I was like, what? Saturday and Sunday? But I knew the midweek meeting was on a Wednesday. I had to travel all the way to London, and I was unable to make it back to the Wednesday evening meeting, although I wanted to really be there. So I spoke to my boss, and I said, is it possible that I could have... Wednesdays off and come on a Saturday instead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so I was able to take Wednesdays off. Why? Because I couldn't travel back. And so I was able to prioritize that. And I would go to the prayer meeting in the midweek. And, and I would not go alone. I would bring my family. Why? Because there is a priority to the apostles' teaching. And so here we meet in the morning on a Lord's Day. It's not the Lord's morning. It's the Lord's Day. The day that the Lord rose. But then in the afternoon we meet in Ryosh. Let me encourage you. The word of God is preached. Seek to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. But there's a second thing there that they devoted themselves to. Look at there. What is the second thing they devoted themselves to? Fellowship. Now this word is the word koinonia. Is a is a A a, a particular word, it means sharing, it means partnership, it means communion. It, It is to have things in common. Fellowship. They had fellowship. Verse 44 says that they had all things in common. Verse 46 says that they met met daily for the very basic needs besides the spiritual needs. And so they were sharing. They were a church that would share. Fellowship. And fellowship is nothing to do with a biscuit and a cup of coffee. Although you can have fellowship even in that setting. But fellowship is deeper than that. Fellowship is not just on a Sunday after the church service when we have a meal and that's it. We go and forget about it. But it's a daily thing. It's an activity that we do with God's people. We ought to seek to do that. But fellowship is only possible for believers as they walk in the light, which is Jesus Christ. If someone is not walking in the light, there is no fellowship with one another. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, our sins are forgiven. We've been washed with the blood of the Lamb and we walk in fellowship. Turn with me, put your finger there in Acts 2 and just very quickly go to 1 John 1. 
1 John 1 verse 7. 1 John 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, the ground of our fellowship is not friendship. There's nothing wrong with having friendship with one or another. The grounding of our fellowship is not things that we may have in common. I mean, someone might like video games and someone else might love video games and they have that in common, but that is not fellowship. Someone might like gardening or or, or, or someone is from Mexico and loves spicy food and someone else does as well and so they get together over that. Things in common, but that is not fellowship. Fellowship is one that is rooted and grounded on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is fellowship. We have that in common. Our sins have been forgiven. So this means that when a person is not walking in the light and he persists in that way of walking and and, and there's been exhortation and rebuke and he's not listening, he's got his blinders on and he's carrying on. The church ought to make the tough decision after prayerful consideration to remove the person from the fellowship. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 5 reminds us. 1 Corinthians 5, this man was persisting in sexual immorality and they had to remove him from the fellowship. Why? Because our fellowship is rooted and grounded in the finished work of Jesus Christ and we ought to walk in the light. One of the reasons we began to prepare food after the church service was to encourage that friendship, fellowship, where we can get together and talk about what we heard in the sermon where we could talk and off loud about our week or the prayer thing, needs and things like that. Now, it's all well and good if we talk about football. That's fine, but we ought to go back to what, what, how can I best pray for you, brother or sister? I, I, th- I think that the, the passage that pastors spoke today, I mean, th- this, 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 this particular part really helped me. Would you pray for me? Or uh, what needs do you have? Can I help you? Financially or support you in some way. That is, that is fellowship. But fellowship is not just on a Sunday. It's a day-to-day activity. I was speaking with someone of the congregation not long. And this person was saying that was very sad because he's attempted a few times to meet with others. And that those meetings have not happened I've tried meeting with so-and-so, and I've tried meeting with so-and-so, and I'd love to meet with so-and-so out of the church setting, but that's not happened, and this person was discouraged. And I said, welcome to my world. I said, listen, pray, and try again. Maybe try to sacrificially, maybe, maybe put a meal, or make a, make a card, and a specific invitation for a particular day where you can... You can meet. But make that meeting not the commonalities of TV programs or what have you, but the groundwork of what Christ has done for us. That is fellowship. So let us all do that. Let us borrow a leaf from his book and do that as a regenerate church. Because a regenerate church is a healthy church. A healthy church is also a devoted church to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, 
But the regenerate church is also a church that is devoted to the breaking of bread. Look at it there. Verse 42 again. The breaking of bread. Now, in the Bible, the breaking of bread usually refers to two things. One, having a meal with others, which is later in verse 46. Or like verse 42, as I believe it is, the breaking of bread in the Lord's table. And the Lord's table or communion was an act that the Lord our Saviour Jesus Christ instituted and he handed the tradition down to his apostles. And this is why we do it even today. We have communion. But they were devoted to communion. They were prioritising the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread is for believers in Jesus Christ where we remember the Lord's death and we proclaim his death until he returns. But it is for believers who are regenerate, baptized, but it's also for those who are in fellowship because if someone breaks fellowship, we need to remove him and therefore he won't take part of the communion. It is for those who are indeed affirmed. The profession of faith has been affirmed by the congregation. Let me ask you, are you devoting yourself to the breaking of bread? Do you prioritise when we have communion in this congregation? Now, life is busy and sometimes work piles, but we ought to prioritise the Lord's day. Now, work sometimes is, is, is needed on the Lord's day, that we need nurses to care, doctors, police officers. Those, those are things that are needed, but... Maybe sometimes the, the boss might say, well, there's double pay overtime. Oh, I need to get that because of, are we prioritizing? And particularly when it's the Lord's table. Are we prioritizing to be among God's people? Now, at Hauling, there was a practice here at the church that communion was open to anyone as long as you love the Lord, they would say. And so... Everyone would say, yeah, I love the Lord. And they would come and break and share the bread. The problem is, anyone can say that they love the Lord without any form of commitment, without any regard of the body of Christ, without any regard of the fellowship. And that is exactly the point that Paul is making in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11. He's saying when you get together, you're not waiting for one another. You're disregarding one another. And so you're breaking the bread. You're having the Lord's table, but it's not the Lord's table what you celebrate. One gets drunk here. The other one is still away and he's not come, come to meet with you. You're disregarding each other. But as a body of believers, we care for one another. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. We ought to make every effort to be there among God's people, particularly when we break the bread. Now, someone once said to me, well, but you said that if we're in sin, we need to get right. Uh, we, We should not take communion because we need to get right. And I said, yes, exactly. Get right and then share the Lord's table. Don't absent yourself because you're you're in sin. On the contrary, get right with your brother or sister, whoever, and be there. Why? Because they were devoted to to the breaking of bread. We ought to be devoted indeed. A healthy church is a regenerate church and a devoted church to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread. And talking about breaking of bread, can you smell the cold barbecue? We're getting there. One last brief point.
point. Look at the last word that they were devoted to there in the passage. They were devoted to prayer. The Jerusalem church was a praying church. There is a place and a time for private prayer, but they were devoted to the corporate prayer. Acts chapter 1, they were praying. Acts chapter 2, they were they gathered praying. The Spirit comes. Here, they were devoted themselves to prayer. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Prayer again. Chapter 4, 6, prayer again. In fact, when Peter was in prison, he was freed by the angel. He goes running to a house and there's the ladies. What were they doing? Praying. And he's either a organized prayer time by the church or it's a casual um, Yeah, gathering, uh, 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 casual or, or impromptu prayer time, a, a, a sudden burst of, Sister, uh, I'd like to pray. Can I come over to you? Let's pray together. Or, or let's, sisters, let's, let's spend some time in prayer. Or throughout the letters, we read about this, this situation of prayer. Uh, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without losing heart, Luke chapter 18. Be constant in prayer, Romans 12, 12. And be praying at all time in the Spirit, uh, chapter 6, verse 18 of Romans. Praying steadfastly, Colossians 4, verse 2. And hauling back to church, when I came all those years ago, they were a praying bunch. They had a handful of members of the church. But every prayer meeting, the seven were here gathered. Mick, Neff, Nora, Sue, Adele, Jojo, and Heather. And they would pray. Now the church had fallen in things. They didn't have a pastor for seven years. They were struggling. They were dying as a congregation. But they were a prayerful bunch. And let me tell you, the only reason why we are here today is because they were praying to God. And the Lord answered their prayer. It was seven years before I came to the UK when they had no pastor. They began praying for a pastor. And it was seven years before when I was in Mexico Suddenly Raquel said, shall we go to England? And we started thinking the possibility. Now I know what God was doing in hindsight. I didn't know we couldn't organize it this way. But the Lord was preparing the way. He he took seven years, but the Lord was answering that prayer over time. And at the same time, he was causing what he wanted to cause in the congregation at that time. And the Lord answered their prayers. Oh, how I miss this prayerful bunch. I miss them dearly. Many have died. One moved away. Or transferred church. And we still have two who are here present today. They were elderly and couldn't go to knock on doors with me. Or they couldn't go out to the market. They did occasionally. But they could pray. And so I would give them names of people that I had spoken with. And they would call me and say, can I, what can we pray for you today? They were a, a prayerful bunch. They were devoted to prayer. Out of all the things that you devote time on, 
Are you devoted to prayer? And I, 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 I do mean the individual prayer, very important, in your closet, in your bedroom, privately. But there is a place and time for the corporate prayer. We have a prayer meeting Thursdays. We have a prayer meeting Sunday morning, 10.15. The Lord has given me an authority. And that authority is not something I take light at all. But if we respect the authority of an employer who says you must be here present on the day. Oh, but... Oh, my, my child is not being well. Or, oh, uh, I was so tired last night because uh, no, when, when the employer says you must turn up, you, you, you throw the excuses out of the window and you, you make every effort to be there. Why? Because he pays your wages. If you don't turn up, it's not good. How many times have I said to the congregation, be here at the prayer meeting or sought to encourage you Lovingly, prayerfully. We prayed for you this morning, all of you. We'd love to see you earlier on to pray as a gathered church. If we can't all meet in the morning, well, let's do it later. But let's meet for prayer. So important. They devote themselves to prayer. Someone said to me, I think the Lord is calling me in somehow, some way, and I feel the desire, perhaps maybe be an elder. I said, okay, listen to me. The first thing I want you to do, I want you to be at the prayer meetings. First step. If someone wants to be involved in one way or another, be at the prayer meetings. First step. As I said, I would seek to be with my own family, or my family at the prayer meetings, because when they see what you prioritise, what you are devoted to, they'll follow. You take them to the football match and to what have you. I don't know. They see your devotion to all those things. They'll learn as you have a devotion for the Lord. A healthy church is a regenerate church and a devoted church to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And I'll close just very, very quickly. Some years ago, I was knocking on doors and uh, someone opened the door and was so excited that I, I, was in, I was coming from church. And he said, oh, I love church. I just moved into the area and I'm so happy to hear that there's an active church here. Oh, wow, the time I spent in my old place with the church activities, it was lovely to be able to get together, to, 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 to do all those uh, um, uh, helping the people, the, 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 the uh, friendship and all the uh, community spirit. I just loved it. The only thing that I didn't like was that Bible bit. In fact, I'm, I'm an atheist, he said. Ah, I thought. Ah, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I began to proclaim. A healthy church is a regenerate church. And a devoted church. May the Lord continue to change us for his glory. Amen. Father, we come before you.